I'm Dan Joseph. You're listening to the Dan Joseph's America podcast. The big news, of course, of the last uh, 24 hours is Ron DeSantis. He quit the race last night. I thought it would happen sooner, but I think, you know, I think the reason he didn't quit right after Iowa was because he wanted to save some face after having what was a pretty disappointing showing for a guy who put all his eggs in the Iowa basket. But we knew this was coming. The DeSantis supporters were very loyal. They really liked their guy. But the narrative around DeSantis became that he, first of all, that he was running a bad campaign. I'm not sure that that was true. I think it might have been an impossible task from the very beginning. Another narrative that came out was that he was unlikable. I never really saw that. I never saw that he was particularly unlikable. He may not have been, you know, uh, an incredibly charismatic individual, but I didn't think he was unlikable. And then there, there was another perception that he was just kind of trump light. And, you know, why have an imitation if you can have the real thing? Like I said, I don't think any of these things were true, but those perceptions definitely hurt him. There's no question about it. And DeSantis, I, uh, look, I, I'll say this. DeSantis, in my mind, would have actually made a really good choice for the GOP. I know there are a lot of people out there who don't like him, I, I, but he, he was undoubtedly conservative. I thought he seemed like a fundamentally good guy with values that Americans could respect. He was smart. He served in the military. Yes, he was an ideologue, but he didn't seem as though he would have been completely unwilling to work with others in order to get his agenda accomplished. I never formally supported DeSantis, but he seems like he would have made a good choice. I know a lot of never-Trumpers were turned off by DeSantis's social conservatism and the don't-say-gay stuff and the, the transgender things and the, the Disney uh, and, you know, a lot of them also didn't like the fact that he was very Trump-like on several issues, particularly on Ukraine. But overall, he would have been a huge improvement in my mind. But he's done. He's uh, He endorsed Trump right away. And for those of, who are upset about the fact that he endorsed Trump, he really had no choice. We have seen Trump destroy people's political careers for disloyalty in the past. If he didn't get in good with the MAGA base right away, he wouldn't have any chance in 2028. And I'm not sure how much of a chance he has now, but still, it would have evaporated. And that really speaks to why the Republicans in the primary have been so reluctant to attack Trump. People like Nikki Haley and and, and Ron DeSantis, with the exception of Chris Christie, of course. It's because they knew. From the start, that grabbing the nomination would be a long shot. And that if they went too hard after Trump, their disloyalty would be remembered by the MAGA people come 2028. So you're seeing all of these former never Trump or never Trump adjacent politicians like Rubio and Cruz and Tim Scott, guys who used to hate Trump and who in all likelihood still hate him, jumping on board with endorsements. They have come to understand that MAGA controls the base entirely almost. They are completely loyal to Trump no matter what. And if you get on his bad side or if you are seen as not sufficiently loyal, you have no chance in GOP politics in the future. I'll put it this way, okay? Loyalty to Trump is the entrance fee to political success in the Republican Party today. It doesn't necessarily mean you'll still be around in a couple years because Trump and MAGA like to turn on people. But that is your entry fee. 
If you do that, if you do the things that are going to express loyalty to Donald Trump and support him on everything, you have a, a very bright future in the Republican movement at this moment. If you do not, you don't have any future in the movement. You, you might not have any future in conservatism for a few years. Nikki Haley, she's been really tarred by this campaign. If she loses in New Hampshire, and I'm guessing she will tomorrow, you'll see. You'll, you will see. She will get right out of the race in order to avoid a big embarrassment loss in South Carolina, her home state, and she'll endorse Trump because she wants to be able to run again four years from now. But with Haley and even a lot of upset DeSantis supporters, you, you, you do see that there's still a contingent in the GOP that's done with Trump. And I think it's bigger than it was in 2020. And the question is, Will they become convinced, if they haven't already, over the next 10 months that Biden is such an existential threat to the country if he stays in office that they will see no other choice and vote for Trump again? I don't know the answer to that, but that's what happened in 2016. And that's what happened in 2020 to a certain extent. I think it'll probably be the case that they go back to Trump. Although, I, I, like I said, I do think they're more never Trumpers than there were in 2016, certainly more than when the party united uh, for him in 2020, there are just a lot of people who have had enough of the antics and the controversy and the conspiracy and who don't see Biden as that big of a threat. But the reality is that one way or another, Trump will be the GOP nominee, and this raises a question for a lot of Republicans and conservatives who have refused to go along for the ride for the last eight years. Is the GOP dead? Can it be saved? Or is it time to just burn the whole thing down? Leave, uh, vote for Biden or RFK Jr., whoever, and just say to hell with it. Because there's no doubt that Trump has fundamentally altered what the GOP is, what it stands for, and the, the makeup of the GOP. And, and that's changed dramatically since he showed up. The GOP is the populist party right now. They are the protectionist party. They appeal to the working class in greater numbers than they did before. They're not as strong free marketers as they were. They like to attack corporations. They like to attack big business. They no longer believe in the use of hard or soft power to deter rogue nations throughout the world. They're completely focused on immigration and the border. That's really the glue that holds the GOP together at this point. They don't care about debt reduction. They don't care about fixing entitlements. They don't care about threats to democracy other than the belief that somebody is stealing elections. They believe that the entire system is rigged against them. And they feel that they are victims of society. They're no longer optimistic about America or its future. They see everything going to hell. The, the values of the, the party have been completely thrown out the window. And they're willing to vote for Trump no matter what he says or does because the idea is that all Democrats are communists who want to turn the country into a totalitarian 1984 hellhole. And the base is egged on by media personalities that have created these pro-Trump bubbles. And they do it largely for success, do it largely for viewers, for clicks, for financial benefit. But no conflicting information is getting in. No anti-Trump information is getting into that bubble. But the Reagan coalition that survived for 40 years is dead. And yeah, I mean, there are benefits to it. I mean, working class voters 
uh, have come to the party. They're upset about things like outsourcing and immigration. I get that. But the GOP has also lost a huge number of college-educated voters, especially uh, college-educated white people, my group. They've had it. They're not coming back anytime soon. They are voting Democratic in increasing numbers, even though they disagree with much of what the Democratic Party stands for, particularly the progressive left. There is a movement out there for a third-party candidate, someone moderate, center-right, who can start the process of building a coalition, again, of people like college-educated whites, uh, Christians who are disgusted by Trump, and, of course, the the true never-Trumpers and, and, and throwing that in the mix – uh, like a Larry Hogan type, there was a, a, a trial balloon floated about Romney and Manchin running together. Uh, Chris Christie, obviously, Liz Cheney. Kind of person who could either build a coalition that can compete with the two major parties or take so many people away from the GOP that the party can no longer win and has to change. And I, I really think this is the only path forward. I, I think the GOP is going to have to lose a few more elections before this fever breaks. There's no chance of changing the trajectory of conservatism, though, if Trump wins in 2024 in the general election. He has to lose for the never-Trump people to regain any traction in conservatism. And I'll tell you, it's a mess. It's a mess. It's a huge mess. And I will say this. I will, I will say this. If the economy wasn't the way it was, if prices weren't so high right now, Biden would win the 2024 election in a landslide. I don't care what's going on at the border. I don't care what's going on uh, in, in a variety of other issues. He would still win. And I'm, I'm still leaning towards a Biden win today. I'm not going to make any predictions right now, but I'm sort of leaning that way. You have to remember that he hasn't even started campaigning yet. We aren't seeing commercials about January 6th running all the time or abortion People have not been reminded of all the crazy stuff that happened during the Trump years, and I think a lot of them have forgotten. I think a lot of people are so upset about the economy that they've forgotten who Trump is since he hasn't been on TV every day for the last four years in the same capacity that he was. And my guess, and this is just the guess at the moment, is that Biden will successfully unite his base, who is petrified. They might not like Biden. Very much. They don't, might not like his policies on Israel or on a variety of other things, but they are petrified of another four years of Donald Trump. And you will see the Democrats will go on a massive offensive. And in the end, it could be an election where Biden wins in a landslide. It could be an election where he gets a mandate. I know everyone thinks it's going to be close, but it has the potential to be a wipeout. Even if prices are still up, which is currently the driving force that's moving people to say, they would vote for Trump over Biden. And of course, Trump could win. I'd like, I may be misreading this. Maybe people are so upset with Biden and the state of the country that they would vote for anyone over him. But, but I think that Biden, and I've always sort of thought this, is less unpopular than people think. He's not Obama. He's not Clinton. He's never been as polarizing as those two or, or three. Never been as, as polarizing of a personality as his predecessors. People are mad about prices. That's the main reason why his numbers are in the 30s. But I don't think Biden himself is so unsavory a character that he won't be able to use the sense of normalcy that he's brought to the White House to his advantage. I'm not saying times are normal. I'm not saying normal things are going on 
or, or abnormal things are going on or that they things are great. I'm saying that anyone who can't see the difference between how Trump and his White House functioned and how the Biden House White House functions, if, if you don't see that, you're not being intellectually honest. Now, of course, this is the point where if I was still doing a radio show, I'd start getting angry callers, angry Trump supporters. Start calling me all sorts of names, rhino, globalist, neocon, libtard is one of their favorites. And you know, that's that's just what they do. It's it's effective. But if you are interested in being proactive, if you're interested in remaking the conservative movement, you can't worry about that. You can't you can't let those things get to you. I did before, and it's it leads to nothing but pain and suffering. Because I I understand how you feel. If you are an anti-Trump conservative. And you stood by that principle for the last eight years. You have been blacklisted from the GOP. You've lost friends, maybe even family members. You feel like you're living in an alternate universe and the GOP uh, that you once loved is gone. The GOP, which you once saw as a vehicle to making this country a better place, has turned into a party of grievance and anger and conspiracy and sympathy towards anti-democratic tactics. It's a shame. I, I miss the old G, GOP, but it's a reality. And eventually you have to break off ties, right? You, you have to leave the abuser. Will it happen? I don't know. Because we're uh, currently so polarized that the basis of the two parties have accumulated way too much power. They basically control the country politically. So if you're a Republican or a conservative, you have three choices essentially. You either stick it out with the party Hope that you can change the party from within. You try to create a third party or you vote Democrat until the GOP comes to its senses. Because, because look, Trump is going to be a big part of our lives for at least the next nine months or so. And I would encourage people, yeah, you can be upset about it, but don't let it get you too upset. Don't have an existential crisis because of it. Don't be, And don't become one of them. Resist the temptation to revert to their tactics. That's what MAGA did. MAGA did that. They reverted to the tactics of the left. And they went way far beyond what the left does. But that's those are the tactics they've reverted to in, in wake of Trump. But nothing is going to get rid of Trump besides beating him in an election. And even then, who knows what he'll do in, in 2020 and how the party will react. Or I'm sorry, in 2028 rather. Nobody knows. Should Trump be over right now? By now? Sure. Should we be done with him? Yes. Especially after the post-election stuff and January 6th, but it didn't happen that way. And now we have to find other ways to move the country in this direction of sanity. You you all remember this. It's famous. It gets said over and over again. Trump once said he could shoot someone in the middle of Fifth Avenue and his base would still support him. And we all laughed. <laughs> yeah, right. We now know that this is absolutely true, which is scary as hell. But we need to stop entertaining this idea that MAGA will ever turn on the guy because it's become too much a part of their identity at this point. I'm Dan Joseph. Uh, Good news. My Facebook page is back up. My professional page was lost in the shuffle, but I only had like 200 people there and they were all from my regular page. So I'll need to rebuild that. Uh, look out for an invite from me soon if you're on my Facebook, if you're for, for friends on Facebook. Also, I'm on Twitter at DanJoseph365 and YouTube at DanJoseph78. I'll see you next time. <laughs>